Welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with you as always. And in today's show, I'll be previewing the NFC East for fantasy football in 2022 and got a great guest on this show. Be sure to stick around for this one and tune in for the NFC North episode as well. That's also in your feed at this time. But a great guest here from the SiriusXM live division that I was in for Scott Fishbowl 12. I had a lot of fun with him on the draft stream and along with all the other division mates. And I had another fellow SiriusXM division mate in Pierre Wilson on the other show as well. But yeah, um, today's guest. He's uh, the host of Dynasty Trades HQ, Dynasty Trades in 5, writes for DLF and Fantasy Data. So he's all over the place, and it's great to have him on the show today. Shane Manila on the show with me um, to talk NFC East. Shane, it's great to have you. Um, I'm excited to discuss these four teams with you today. How are you doing? I'm excited to be on the show. I really appreciate you having me, and I'm excited to talk about these teams too, man. I love... uh... Look, I love football. I love NFC East football, especially. And this is a, this is going to be a fun one for fantasy this year. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. And there's a lot of storylines as well. And I see you formatting that note sheet. I like the it, formatting edits that you made there. I'm all yeah. ready to go. I'm, so, I'm, uh, I'm old, so I need I need bullet points to tell me where to move on to next. Mm-hmm. Or I get confused and start wandering off the page. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, that look, it looks nice now. So, yeah, thank you for doing that. So, uh, yeah, I guess let's hop into it. You ready to talk some NFC East? Let's go. All right. So let's get into it. Four teams here. We're going to talk fantasy impact. Got these questions here, but anything else you want to bring up as well, feel free. Starting off, though, with the Washington Commanders, of course, first season with the new name and new quarterback as well. It's going to be Carson Wentz running the show for probably 2022 unless he really messes up and gets benched hopefully not for the team but I mean we'll see it's probably going to be him and I think I'm assuming they're going to give him a pretty long leash he's their guy that at least they're going for for this season so I think Shane like I mean for Carson Wentz I think he's a better arm talent definitely than what they had there and that's the clearest upgrade for me between Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz is really how far Carson Wentz can throw the ball and like his deep accuracy is just far and away better than Heineke who was a playmaker but just had really no arm at all I mean watching those games it just you could you could tell that no one was really afraid of him going deep so how much of a step up do you think this offense takes with Carson Wentz who's also a pretty good rusher but sometimes a poor decision maker especially against the blitz what do you think about this offense as a whole and what do you think about Wentz's fantasy value next year well, a couple things for fantasy is a, I, that I think are good is he's a very poor decision maker um mm-hmm. in, in lots of areas um you were talking about his deep attempts he actually is a good deep passer but he's also I I, I gotta look at his interceptable ball rate but man that dude seems to have some good luck on passes it seemed mm-hmm. like they, they, they should be picked off but the good thing about that is he, he's not afraid to go deep. He's not afraid to throw yeah. in the coverage. Um, although I guess he probably should be. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a huge step up from Tyler Heineke. Heineke threw for what, 20 touchdowns last year. As mm-hmm. much as we trash Wentz, he's got three seasons where he's thrown for at least 27 touchdowns. Um, the guy is a, he's not an elite quarterback like we thought he was going to be, right? After that near MVP season, but he's a above average good quarterback um he makes terrible decisions um as we talked about and if anyone's following camp news uh it was pretty funny yesterday montez sweat was chasing him down and yelling at him to throw the ball away (laughs) Um, and instead went ran out of bounds with it so you're gonna have those moments right but 
he's a significant upgrade from Tyler Heineke, who was just all scrappy and guts. And yeah. I think the best description I heard of him was like he's, he was like Aaron Rodgers without Aaron Rodgers' talent. You yeah, know, like he he had that fight and he he definitely tried to make plays. He just he's not physically capable of it. Where Wentz is, and Wentz's biggest uh, drawback is unfortunately is, is in his brain. Um, so if he can play within himself, man, I mean the the guy even last year, as much as we trashed him, and he had some ugly looking interceptions. Um, he still yeah. went twenty seven and seven, which is really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true. And he did. I mean, you have to think, like you said, that he got some good luck on those passes because seven picks the way he played didn't seem I mean, it seemed that should be much higher in a seven in a 17 game season where he's starting all those. But yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke are very different, like you described. And but Wentz is going to represent the upgrade for fantasy because he has the ability to get big plays more often and will throw for more touchdowns. If you combine Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke, I think you've really got an amazing quarterback. Yeah. But like Wentz just yeah the the picks are not going to matter as much for his weapons as they will for like bone crushing defeats for the football for the commanders and them going maybe nine and eight next year that'll matter a lot for them as a football team but definitely yeah i mean we don't care about that at all at all fantasy just just keep running them out there that's all i want yeah absolutely just throw for five thousand. do a winston five thousand yards 30 touchdowns 30 picks that's all we need works for me yeah and Winston I mean that was great that was a crazy year he was the QB3 that year that was insane that was yeah Mm -hmm. but yeah this is I mean it's going to represent an upgrade for fantasy and I like this for McLaurin who will get some looks downfield but I guess let's first move to the running game Antonio Gibson's a guy who has not really done anything wrong this training camp but is now getting concerned because he we know he's had like some fumbling issues over the first couple seasons of his career and that's not something again like like that's not also not something that matters for fantasy that much, except when you have fumbling issues and the team goes to draft a running back in the third round. And now they're saying Brian Robinson's maybe the goal line guy. And maybe he gets a little bit of work in the first two downs and JD McKissick's now back. So like Gibson's upside with all of those storylines, it could diminish a lot. I think he's pretty good. I think Gibson has had his chance to prove himself as an inside runner and has shown he's not an elite one, but he's solid. He's an above average guy. He's a good starter. So is there concern though with Robinson there with McKissick back that he doesn't have enough upside to warrant being taken as like your RB two? Is he too risky at, at that spot or do you think he's fine there? Nope. I think there's way too much risk uh, with Gibson this year. Um, I loved him, you know, going into last year, I was definitely one of those people that goes, look, he, he was a receiver in college. He's going to get 70 to 80 receptions and be a decent, you know, rusher. Um, Unfortunately, uh, he he just wasn't very efficient last year. And you already noted the fumbling issues. Um, And again, yeah, we don't care about that fantasy. It costs us, what, two points or whatever if you lose the ball, which is not great. But we care about it from the sense that the coaches aren't going to trust you. And if the coaches don't trust you, they're not going to put you on the field. He had a ton of opportunity last year. Um, He he was one of the uh, head uh, one of the running backs with the most opportunity opportunities in the uh, excuse me uh, between receptions or excuse me between targets and rushing attempts and he still was only able to put up uh, what are we looking at here about 14 points a game which mm-hmm. was an RB 17 which you know it's a, it's a low end RB2 which you think is good but again that was just built on a ton of volume. Um, he had 42 receptions and 258 rushing attempts. So he had over 300 uh, opportunities. Yeah. 
you, you look at it this year, they went out of their way to get uh, J.D. McKissick back. He signed with Buffalo, or at least agreed to sign with Buffalo, and they apparently uh, would, held his family hostage so he would come <laughs> back. Um, and then the draft, draft Brian Robinson in the third, definitely scary. And they're talking about Brian Robinson's going to get goal line work. He's going to get some early work. McKissick is going to get some receiving work. Well, guess what? Those are the most important uh, types of carries and opportunities for a running back goal line work and targets. And those are earmarked for other players. Um, So if he's just a between the twenties banger, that's really not great. Like even if he runs for a hundred yards a game, what does it matter if you don't score a touchdown? What does it matter if you're not, you know, getting receptions and targets? Um, And we know he's not going to run for a hundred yards a game because no one runs for a hundred yards a game. No one averages that unless they're a hall of famer. Um, so yeah, I, I'm highly concerned with him. He's not someone that I, I'd be looking to draft at his cost, um, in dynasty or in redraft. Yeah. It's easy to see that scenario and it's hard to find a scenario where Gibson is the bell cow that we wanted him to be. He'll get work and he may still be like top 15 in the league and top, top 20 in the league in carries. But if those are all on first and tens at like their own 30 yard line, it's not much compared to McKissick gets a third down reception, takes that 10 or 15 yards worth a lot more. And then Robinson comes into the one yard line and runs in the touchdown. If Gibson can't be trusted to hold onto the ball, he's lost all of his important touches. And then the 15 carries for 50 yards that he gets are just absolutely nothing. So like, yeah, I, I agree with you that there's a lot of risk. I was also completely with you last year. Gibson was a guy I was huge on, and it just never quite worked out. He was he didn't totally destroy you, but he also like he was going at RB eleven, RB ten, and finished at the RB seventeen. That's not what you want at all. Yeah, and he's a guy in the range of outcomes where we saw we. we... I don't want to say Christian McCaffrey, right? Because Christian McCaffrey is obviously an outlier of outliers, 30 points a game. But in that mold, you know, like this is a guy we thought could get 20 points a game because of the receiving work that that we thought he was going to see and what he was going to do with it when he he got those receptions. And that's just not what he ended up being. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's I guess let's move to the receiver room there. And of course, mainly Terry McLaurin who is going to be the wide receiver one in this offense, almost undoubtedly, Mr. New Contract. He seems very happy to be there and very excited for this season. He's probably a borderline top 15 guy, solid wide receiver two that you're looking at. Uh, Wentz is never, I don't think Wentz is going to have like elite tier passing attempts because they've now got three running backs here and they're going to probably try to stick to the ground with their solid offensive line, which makes sense for them. And that's what we've seen a lot on Wentz-led teams over the past few years, especially it helped the day the Colts had Jonathan Taylor. But outside of Terry McLaurin, I think Jahan Dotson is having a great camp and has a lot of upside, but he's not a guy you're taking as a guy you expect to do something. Is there anyone else here, even like as a a Logan Thomas, who you think has a very, very good chance of being fantasy relevant? Or is it a bunch of dart throws after McLaurin? It's dart throws. Um, I could see taking Logan Thomas late in redraft leagues um, because of Wentz's history with tight ends, uh, mostly Mm -hmm. Zach Ertz in Philadelphia. But it feels like it's going to be a lot of McLaurin um, probably 25% target share and then just spread out between Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson. I really like, but I like him a lot more in dynasty than I do redraft. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't see him making a huge year one impact. Like you said, I don't know that the passing volume is going to be there, that they're going to be, that once is going to be able to support multiple uh, fantasy relevant pass catchers. Uh, If, if, Dotson could have himself a wide receiver four type season. I, I think I'm happy looking forward. Um, and I, yeah, McLaurin, I'm looking at wide receiver two numbers, Logan Thomas. Yeah. 
back of the draft, you, you punt it tight end because you, you, you couldn't get George Kittle. You couldn't get <laughs> Kyle Pitts. And you said, whatever, I'm just going to end up with any tight end. Logan Thomas was worth a shot because he did have one good season and Wentz has had, you know, past success with tight ends. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think Thomas is even a little bit of a value. So if you're punting tight end, which I'm not, I would never advise taking just one of those middle round dart throws when you can just take a late round dart throw, because let's be honest, a lot of those middle round guys are still a lot of dart throws. So like Thomas and like the last round of drafts, I'll take that rather than just spending a seventh round pick on some guy. But yeah, I think uh, over. But yeah, it's it's hard to trust anyone outside of McLaurin. Overall, I'm agree, agree. I would agree with you there. And Dotson's the one who, because Curtis Samuel's been just not healthy at all. No, the entire time there. And and before they drafted uh, Dotson, you know, I had some hope for Curtis Samuel because you know, based off of his last season in Carolina, he looked like he had turned a corner. He'd become really fantasy productive and been healthy. And then last year, just just completely wasted and then they went out and drafted Dotson which just shows me that they go okay well Samuel we don't even want him to be the two in our offense so yeah I've given up on the dream that was Curtis Samuel yeah and I mean in training camp like it's been so weird because he hasn't even been hurt but he's still been limited and they're saying like they've got a plan with him and they also had a plan with him last year and they continue to have a plan as he sat out with a groin injury and caught maybe one pass but like it it's so it's a strange situation, but you it makes sense because that's just the type of thing where it might. It, I mean, it's clearly the type of thing that lingers, and it's clearly just like maybe maybe Curtis Samuel is healthy, and he's just been out of football mindset for so long that he isn't the same player he once was. It's very possible, and it, them drafting Dotson in the first round shows they need receivers yep. and shows they wanted to get one as a priority. Yeah, and look, lower body injuries, repeated lower body injuries start to take a toll on you. I mean, mm-hmm. he's only 26 or so, but he's just had he's just been injured. I mean, his entire career, except for one season. And we saw what he did in that one season, but now even if he he somehow ends up being healthy this year, which yes, he was already injured in camp, even if he were to end up being healthy somehow, he the, the pecking order has been set. He he's yeah. behind Jahan Dotson. Yeah, I agree. Want to move on to the Cowboys? Oh, let's go Cowboys. <laughs> All right. So let's start, I guess, with the Cowboys and, of course, the quarterback, Dak Prescott, who last season and over the last few seasons has been productive and been a quarterback one. But now we've seen the Dak splits that come up on like every whatever, every graphic on NBC or whatever, where it's like with his top three receivers and without. And it's always like he struggles without either a Gallup or a lamb or a Cooper. And that's a small sample size that can be attributed to a lot of matchups and stuff like that. But, and so it's not something to be taken entirely, but like the fact is he did lose Cooper who seems to be more of his safety option than anybody else. And Gallup is now out for the start of the season. So it's CD lamb and Jalen Tolbert and Dalton Schultz to start it off. And then maybe Gallup later on, but does Prescott survive his losses and is he, does he have the same upside he once had with all three of those guys? Cause I don't think so. Yeah. I still have him as a back end QB one, which is, you know, it, it, it's good. Um, there's going to be some weeks where you're like, wow, I, I think he might be elite. Um, unfortunately he doesn't like running anymore, which really annoys me because mm-hmm. that, that's, that's, that's the extra kick you need. I, I hope that with the injuries to the other wide receivers and basically just having CD lamb and Jalen Tolbert, and I, I don't even know who else 
Um, because yeah. Cedric Wilson left as well. Uh, I'm hoping this means that CD Lamb's going to be hyper targeted to the to the tune of like 30%. Um, but I don't know that that's what they're going to do. I think I'm going to see a lot more passes out of the backfield to Zeke and Tony Pollard than I would like. Yeah. I, I, I still think he has low end QB one upside. I think that's what he is. I don't see him giving you that elite, that, that Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, uh, lead winning type of production. Um, still low end QB one, uh, it really hurts losing all those guys. And then, like I said, Cedric Wilson being an under underrated loss. Um, yep. Didn't realize it at the time, but yeah, you know, and Gallup, I haven't heard any camp reports on when they expect them to practice. Like I've heard camp reports on like Chris Godwin, a guy that was injured at a similar time frame, but literally nothing on Gallup. And then, you know, losing James Washington to a Jones fracture for the first probably four weeks of the season isn't very helpful. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be tough for Prescott to start the season, and that's why I'm avoiding him. If with a quarterback, you're not drafting a guy like Prescott who just doesn't have crazy upside, like you said, to just start off. If he's also going to have a poor start to the season compared to the rest of the year, I would rather stream a guy than take Prescott, who probably ends up in that kind of icky 12, 13 range for those first few weeks and then maybe steps up a little bit fantastic but i'm glad i didn't spend the qb9 qb10 draft capital on him yep. um look looking at the cowboys of course in their backfield it's zeke and it's tony pollard and everybody you have if you're in the fantasy industry you have to have a take on who's better like if flat out there can't be any pretty much disagreement it seems like whatsoever in terms of like well one's the better pass catcher one's the better inside runner no pretty much it's very it's very polarizing debate on twitter it seems like as tony pollard's better or it's zeke period end of sentence but Zeke, who has been a top-level RB for a while, maybe I, I, maybe he's not quite what he used to be, but of course, he's going a lot lower than what he has consistently finished, even last year. And I think what was an awesome moment for the industry, we saw Matthew Berry on NBC, on like the big NBC show right before the game. Talk, or I guess it wasn't before the game, but it was on an, another NBC show talking about how Zeke is being overlooked and because of his injury, do you think that's the case? Like it, was it really his injury limiting him last year? And also what are your thoughts on just the general Zeke Pollard debate? I mean, there's that he's 27 years old. Right. And we don't mm -hmm. like old running backs, especially us dynasty heads at that age, 27. We've, we've put you out the pasture. Mm -hmm. um, Zeke isn't a very likable person. Uh, so there's also that, which, you know, look, we, we all have our own biases and we don't like certain people. We want them to fail as a player. <laughs> so his 14.9 points per game feels bad, you know, yep. uh, especially when you compare it to what he used to be, right? He was a top four running back every season. I, I still think running back is obviously based on volume. They, who Pollard can't take the volume that Zeke can. Um, Pollard's never been the primary back anywhere he's been in college, uh, obviously in the pros. I don't know about high school, but even if he was, it's a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Zeke had injury issues and he's just, he's not, He's not as fast as he used to be. He's 27. He's, he's not going to be as efficient. He's not going to be as elusive. He's just not. But if he's going to get the volume, if he's going to get 250 touches, it, 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 it almost doesn't matter if he's going to be efficient or not, to be quite honest with you. Um, yeah. He still scores touchdowns, which is going to boost him. And he's going to see somewhere in the neighborhood of 270 to 300 opportunities. Um, most running backs that are even just average are, are going to be able to produce uh, – 
decent fantasy seasons for you in that case. Tony Pollard, look, I like Tony Pollard. He's fun, you know, but he he's like a Alexander Madison plus for me. He, he's not someone I got to go out of my way to have. If I have him on my roster, great, but he doesn't particularly have a lot of standalone value. Like I wouldn't know when to start Tony Pollard. And that's yeah. the worst kind of player to have on your roster is you don't know when to start them because then you're guessing every week and they're sitting on your bench, dropping 25 points. You start them the next week, they score three. Yeah. Um, now, obviously if something were to happen to Zeke, then it's a wheels up for Pollard, but Zeke has been a pretty, what's the word I'm looking for? Durable guy. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because he's built like a box you know, the dude is just solid, but he, he's a durable guy and he doesn't miss games. Even when he's injured, he plays through them. So I don't yeah. see a path for high production value out of uh, Tony Pollard. Yeah. Zeke is a guaranteed like 16, 17 games, a guaranteed th- 1100 yards from scrimmage, at least 1200 yards from scrimmage. And that at the RB 16 is good because we've seen many top six seasons out of him in the past. So it's not it's probably unlikely that he finishes top six again but it's not impossible that he finishes top 12 and that's good value if you're taking him outside the top 15 right in the third round i would like that for sure so maybe not like some sort of crazy value but a guy i like at rb16 for sure um but yeah that's i'm overall and i'm with you on pollard as well just the fact that yeah you never know when to start him he, he's a, a long run type of guy too, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, he had the 80 yard touchdown. Great. And then if sometimes he doesn't have the 80 yard touchdown, he's quick, not quite built like Zeke is in terms of it, like ground and pound. There's six yards out of this inside run type of thing. But like, it, so it's going to be more inconsistent and just difficult, especially when he has fewer touches. Look, we love to back up in fantasy football. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one of our favorite things is to back up running back Yeah, because we extrapolate their numbers. Well, if he did this on seven touches, imagine what he would do on 15 touches. Imagine what yeah. he would do on 20 touches. And we've got a player that's a starter that we'll talk about later that's mm-hmm. in that same vein. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we just love fantasy. Uh, we love backup running backs that, that produce in small sample sizes because we just extrapolate and we just go, well, it, it's always going to be, if you, if you times those carries by two, everything's going to stay the same and his production is going to double. And it's like, yeah, well, it doesn't really work that way. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Tony Pollard feels really, I wonder if Tony Pollard got the starting role, like somewhere, I feel like he'd be a lot like Miles Sanders. Like I just realized that in my head, I feel like to be very similar in terms of kind of production. Yeah, yeah, where you'd go, I don't understand. He's efficient, but you're like, guys, like, there's a reason guys are 25 touch a game guys, 20 to 25 touch a game guys, and there's a reason guys are 10 touch a game guys. Yeah, some you know, once in a while, it is that the coaches make poor decisions because you know, coaches aren't aren't infallible they, they make poor decisions generally they kind of know what what their guys are capable of you know mm-hmm. um can tony pollard be a 25 touch a game guy for two weeks probably could he do that over a five-week stretch uh, i'm guessing no uh, i'm guessing that the cowboys would quickly go uh crap we need to get this guy help yeah i think the only reason i want pollard to go crazy or anything is to stick it to jerry jones though because i mean that'd be nice mm-hmm. if jerry jones kept like going on and on about like we're going to use zeke just to justify his dumb contract which even if zeke is great it was a really really historically stupid contract for running back but like he if he goes on and on like that and then zeke comes out he's washed then pollard comes in and looks like clearly better which a lot of people think he already does but like 
I don't think he does, but like he if if he comes in and just dominates, I mean, there I there it is. Stick it to the owner. I can definitely get behind anything that makes Jerry Jones look bad, makes yeah. the, the Dallas Cowboys perform badly. I'm not particularly a fan of Zeke as a player or a human being. I don't own him in any of my fantasy leagues. So if everyone fails in that backfield, I would be perfectly okay. Like I, I would yeah. be happy as a clam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure last question for the cowboys is going to be on their wide receivers and mainly cd lamb because we can talk all we want about jalen tolbert and whether he's worth a pick at the wide receiver 80 but the guy here is cd lamb and he's interesting because his ceiling is very high undeniably but he's had a consistent role and i don't necessarily think that with these guys going the targets have to go somewhere yes but does this mean cd lamb's going to become a 30 percent target share guy I, it's possible he's got the opportunity to do so, but it doesn't happen f- just for that. Like you have to be it, it at a certain point, it just becomes, it gets past the fact that there's nobody else to throw the ball to. And it gets to, you truly have to be an elite wide receiver to command that type of target share. And CD lamb is a very, 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 very good wide receiver, but like he's the wide receiver six right now on fantasy pros. And I don't see him with a top five ceiling, I see him with a wide receiver six ceiling. That seems like the biggest ceiling pick there is to me. Uh, what, what do you think about him next year and his ceiling? Yeah, so this is – and he's the wide receiver three in Dynasty, and it, it kind of feels mm-hmm. like that's by default, right? Because yeah. it's Justin Jefferson, it's Jamar Chase in some some order. And then you look at, like, well, who's really up next? And it's like, well, it's CD. He hasn't truly earned it, yeah. but he could. And if he's going to, it's got to be this year. Because, yes, targets are earned. There's no other receivers on that roster that Mm -hmm. deserve a target over C.D. Lamb ever. Um, Jalen Tolbert is slotted to be a starter right now. Looking at their depth chart, they got Michael Gallup slotted as a starter. The dude isn't practicing yet. They have, like, T.J. Vasher. I I don't even know who that is. I didn't know until you mentioned him. (laughs) Looking at their depth chart at wide receiver, it's just sad and depressing. Like if CD's going to do it, and I'm I'm betting on him doing it this year. I'm betting that he's going to see an absurd amount of targets, and he's going to produce like a top three dynasty tight end, or excuse me, dy- Jesus, dynasty <laughs> wide receiver. Um, I, I think he's going to do it. He hasn't done it yet, and you know people will give him the excuse. Well, he he played with Michael Gallup, he played with Amari Cooper, but elite wide receivers demand targets. Yeah. Um, they demand high target shares. Yep. It's a little concerning that he hadn't done that yet. He's had good seasons as a rookie and as a second year guy. I think this is the year that he's going to actually absolutely smash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, though, like the dude missed a game and still had 120 targets. When you, mm-hmm. you mentioned about how Cooper and Gallup left, like it, and then I mean, Gallup was hurt for a little bit of last year, too. I mean, it just, but like when they, even when they were out there, CD Lamb was still getting targets. He had 15 in week one, nine in week two, would have maybe like two or three games where they over the season where like it wasn't that high in terms of target share. But o- overall, he ended up racking up a lot of volume. It So that wasn't limiting him. And you said it like it's just it, it doesn't necessarily hurt him if there are other guys there who are good, because there's going to be a baseline amount of passing attempts no matter what. And there's going to be a limit to what CD Lamb can get no matter what. So yeah. it's not like he's taking all these guys as target shares, of, of course. And everyone would, n- no one would obviously say that. And I think volume can be expected to leap up drastically. But wide receiver six, I'm just a little bit uncomfortable over a lot of proven guys there too. Yeah, I mean, just just looking at next season only, 
I mm-hmm. I take Cooper Cup over him. Um, pretty good chance I take Devontae Adams over him. All these old guys that I don't want in dynasty football, I, I'd probably take over him and redraft. Mm-hmm. At least those two guys. So and that's without even looking at the list. So he's definitely the wide receiver six might be his ceiling. Um, because yep. like you said, look, just because there's 300 vacated targets, they cannot all go to one person as much as we would like that. It would be fun to see a wide receiver with 450 targets in a season. There's a reason it's never happened. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. So I guess we're halfway through. Let's move on over to the Eagles. And the talk of the town is AJ Brown, who made his way over there and will probably be really, really good if he can stay healthy. So now the thing is for him, it's Jalen Hurts, who Jalen Hurts versus Ryan Tannehill. It's interesting to actually argue. I don't think he that's an upgrade fantasy wise. Is it an upgrade quarterback wise? I don't think so also, but then Hurts adds that second dimension with his rushing ability to where like maybe he is a better QB than Ryan Tannehill because he's got kind of multiple things he can do. But the overall for AJ Brown, the question is going to be, does he can he have top 12 numbers with a guy who runs the ball so much and also has Devontae Smith and Miles Sanders there? I think they're going to throw the ball more than last year, which they like it was crazy. One of the like, I don't think we've ever even seen like really just a handful of teams over the last like half decade that have had like a negative split in terms of rushing and passing where they ran the ball more than 50% of plays. But the Eagles did that the second half of last year easily. I think they were near 60% too. Now that's not going to happen again, I think. It's, and it's not going to happen because they got blown out by the Bucks by 30. And I think they realize that's not the way to win a Super Bowl or make a playoff run. But like, can all the same, does AJ Brown have enough target opportunity to be a wide receiver one here? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and again, it's think, um, but just based mm-hmm. on what he's done in his past, right? He, he's coming from a similar type offense where it was the Titans. He, he saw an immense target share on a low volume offense on a low volume passing offense. And he made Ryan Tannehill a very good quarterback. He made Ryan, Ryan Tannehill look like an efficient quarterback. I don't know why he wouldn't be able to do the same with Jalen Hurts. Obviously, the, the target competition might be a little stronger. Devontae Smith compared to Corey Davis. And then who, I don't even know who was there last year. Uh, Nick Westbrook, Ikeen, and the ghost of Julio Jones. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'll keep harping back on elite wide receivers demand targets. I, I see him demanding an, a high target share. Like you said, the Eagles wanted to actually throw last year. When they started the season, they were one of the most pass-heavy teams in the league. Uh, last year it, it just wasn't working because you know Jalen Reger was your wide receiver two yeah. Wes Watkins was your wide receiver three um they go into this year well guess who's Devonta Smith's your wide receiver two Quez Watkins still your wide receiver three but it's very different having Jalen Reger at that two compared to Devonta Smith Devonta mm-hmm. Smith so I think there'll be enough volume there I think they're going to pass more than enough there, there's room for positive regression for Jalen Hurts to throw some uh throwing touchdowns too um and maybe not score as many rushing touchdowns so i'm I'm pretty much all in on aj brown this year even though a lot of people aren't um Mm -hmm. at worst i I see it as a lateral move and if you liked aj brown in tennessee i I can't imagine why you wouldn't like him in philadelphia yeah and he's so like the good the one good part here and i mean there's a lot of good things to like that he's going to be the wide receiver one in this offense but he is so incredible after the catch and downfield and breaking tackles to the point where after year one, it was like, well, look at his like yards after catch. Look at how unsustainable that is. And then he did it again and then kept doing it. And he still does it every time he's out on the field is just gets five or six after almost everything. So 
the thing is like, I mean, if he doesn't have to have a crazy amount of targets, some of his best games come when it's four receptions for a hundred yards and two touchdowns. He's that kind of guy. That's you'll never, he's not a, um, like I've got to use a guy who was ahead of him, a Keenan Allen or a T Higgins, who's going to catch 10 balls. Usually. I mean, maybe he'll do that once or twice a season, but more often than not, it's four or five catches and hopefully a big play. And it's the fact that he's just so good it's usually going to be one big play for him a week to where he's not too inconsistent for you either. And, but like overall, like that yards after catch ability means that especially when in the times when we've seen AJ Brown limited by targets, especially, I mean, I guess that was more the case in 2020 with Corey Davis there for where he'd maybe not quite get as many every single game. Like it doesn't necessarily matter for him if he can be more efficient. No, he's just, he's a very efficient receiver. And if, if it was a one year thing, I'd say all right, it's probably an anomaly, but it's like you said, he he's done this entire, his entire career in Tennessee. Like the guy averages, I, I mean, it's, it's not a, I don't want to say it's a, it's a, a low amount. He averages around eight, eight and a half targets a game, which is good. It's just not like hyper-targeted like some of the, the Supreme wide receivers in the league, yeah. but he's just efficient and he's been efficient his whole career. So I see no reason that that's going to change in Philadelphia. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that's, I mean, that I, I agree with that. And I think Hertz overall, there's nowhere he can go, but up, which it seems kind of a given and Hertz was already pretty elite in fantasy last year. Anyway, with just that rushing upside, I like him um, next year. One guy I don't like though. I don't think anybody likes him anymore. There's no Miles Sanders truthers left unless they're all, like, no, I don't know. They're, they're going back to watch his college tape or something. They're just, still uh, out there. They're still out there because wow. I, I see the tweets and they go, Miles Sanders is average five and a half, 5.1 yards per carry. Just <laughs> extrapolate that. Imagine if he gets 13 attempts per game, that means he's going to end up with 1200 rushing yards. And I'm like, you are not looking any deeper than his efficiency numbers because yes, he he's an efficient runner. It doesn't mean that he's a particularly I hate saying this good running back. He doesn't make smart plays on the football field. So his coaches yank him off the field. Uh, they don't use him in the passing attack anymore. He, he's seen his targets decrease every year of his career, which is really what you want. He doesn't score touchdowns and you can say, well, that means he, he's, he's in for regression. They gave Boston Scott more, um, goal line carries twice as many goal line carries as they did Miles Sanders last year. Mm -hmm. That speaks to what they think of Miles Sanders at the goal line. Um, yeah. There are people out there that they, they see those efficiency numbers and they go, look, you just you give him 13 carries. That's all you need. Just give him 13 carries and, and four receptions a game and he's going to be a running back one. And I'm like, yeah, if you could count on that efficiency carrying through and actually that workload coming through. But it's just it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just doesn't work. And I've spent many games like glued to the Eagles game, staring at my TV, begging for Miles Sanders to do something and get the ball like more than once a drive. But he's either the drive killer that gets two yards on first down and then hurts. I mean, who had a lot of less weapons, either would have to scramble for a first or just, you know, throw a couple incompletions. And that was it a lot of the time. Or he would get four yards or like break off the occasional long touchdown. And he has that huge game or he picks up four or five. But then it still hurts doing the work and hurts loves to run the ball. And like if someone's extending the play on third down, it's almost never Miles Sanders on a dump off. It's almost always Jalen Hurts on a bootleg and he just takes off. And why shouldn't he? Because he sees green grass for six yards and he'll get out of bounds and speed over there and get the first down. It's very easy that way. It doesn't have to be Miles Sanders doing it. 
I think the question I had on the notes doc here is, will it be more of the same from Miles Sanders? I think we both agree that it will will be, and that borderline RB2, RB3, top 30 numbers probably is where yeah. he's going to be. Yeah, I feel like people that still believe in him are people that don't actually watch the games. And I don't yeah. mean that as a slight as like, oh, you're going to watch the games to understand it. But sometimes you have to watch the games to understand what's happening. And you yeah. have to go, well, I don't understand. You know, last year, trust me, I yelled at the TV repeatedly like, oh, every time mm-hmm. Kenny Gainwell gets in there, though, they can block and open up holes for so he can score a touchdown. And eventually, after the third time saying that, yeah, you know what, maybe it's not uh, a them problem. Maybe it's a Miles Sanders problem. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's true. It does. It really does. Like you, you. It is confusing to watch, especially at the beginning, where you're just like, he should be so good, and then eventually, it's like, like you. What are the odds that on all of his like 200 opportunities, he has been set up for failure by his offensive line or something? Or and I think to an to an extent, maybe a little bit with Hertz there, he is set up for fantasy failure. But it's also on him a little bit that he's not consistently generating big plays and being an offense driver he's more often an offense killer or just a neutral for them and that's not good to be a neutral when you don't have very many wide receivers all right so last question here for the eagles and it's someone we already mentioned earlier of course what do you do with Devonte smith who's now been bumped down to like the wide receiver two in his offense of course last year he was wide receiver three he put up wide receiver three production a bit inconsistent didn't totally break out, but it was his rookie year. I think we were going to see a step up if AJ Brown wasn't added. Now with AJ Brown here, I still think we see a step up in terms of efficiency, but do the targets go down enough to where he's like too worrisome? Like, what do you think about him next year? What's the level on him? Yeah, this is this one hurts, right? Because uh, yeah. after his rookie season, you go, wow, this guy, he saw 22% target share as a rookie. Like that usually pretends to like, oh my goodness, this dude is going to be an absolute monster in his career. Like we're, we're looking at elite wide receiver one numbers down the road. Mm-hmm. And then they go out and they get another target monster. Like not just a guy that he has to compete with, not, not just another wide receiver, you know, um, not just one of those uh, proverbial mouse to feed uh, and actually very good wide receiver. I, I think Devonta Smith, what you do with him in dynasty, at least as you let kind of your, your league determine what you're going to do with him. Is your league fading him to the point where he's a discount, where he's a, he's a value now. Okay. Then, then try to get him. Um, are people still valuing them in your league as a low end wide receiver? No, I don't want to say wide receiver one, but maybe a mid tier wide receiver two. Mm-hmm. All right. Maybe that's a little expensive because everything's going to have to break right for them. Yeah. You know, you're going to need the Eagles to, to increase their passing volume a lot for him just to maintain the same target share and raw targets that he saw last year. Is it yeah. possible? Certainly, certainly possible, but it's, you know, you are counting on the Eagles, uh, it, vastly increasing um, their market share or excuse me, their passing volume from last year. Like you don't need to do that for AJ Brown. You can go AJ Brown steps in there. Even if the passing volume doesn't increase, he's just going to, he's going to go in there and Hoover all the targets. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that you can make that same argument for Devonta Smith. So I think you let your league, your league kind of dictate how you're going to play that. Yeah. It's tough. I loved him last year in redraft, especially because, I mean, he was one of those like rookie receivers who I thought was being overlooked and he did exceed his draft position in redraft by about 10 or so spots, just not quite to the levels that you would have hoped. I mean, I I guess not quite, I would, I shouldn't say that because he was very, very good. Not quite to the levels that I dreamed of for fantasy is what I'll put it as instead. 
but he still was very good. And it seemed like coming into year two, I was confident heading into this offseason, he is going to be another one of my favorites for next year that I'm getting in every draft. Now it's just hard. Like wide receiver 35, that's probably like really spot on. Like that seems like a really spot on ranking. And that's where he's in in fantasy pros. So I'll draft him. He was a former favorite who went the way of, I guess I'll say Tyler Boyd, who I used to love so much before Jamar Chase went there. And then, I mean, I got in on Jamar Chase and who was being undervalued. Oh my goodness. Last year for his drops, which was crazy. And um, I was happy to see him break out. But anyway, the point was getting back on topic is that Devontae Smith kind of went that way to where you're right. The 22% that target share, that's not happening again. Could his production stay the same on efficiency or a few more touchdowns? Maybe it'll be all right, but like he's not going to take that big step to what he could have been and what the metrics said. And I mean, he's just a very talented player overall, but now in this run heavy offense, it's not really possible unless everything breaks right. Like you said, um, last team here, of course, it's the New York giants. Three more questions for this. Of course. Episode. I like how you said, of course, because they certainly deserve, I don't know. It's them and the commanders fighting for last mm-hmm. because they're New York. Yeah. They, they go last Screw those guys. Yeah. Yeah. That no one likes the giants, but yeah, last team, they are of course the last team here to talk about today. And uh, it starts with Daniel Jones for them. And that's what it's been the last couple of years. And he is like, he's like not quite bad enough to where he should be getting like insane amounts of hate. I feel like, because he's, I feel like Daniel Jones is one of the most hated quarterbacks in the league. And I feel like a lot of people have a take on him to where like Daniel Jones is so overrated. I think he's actually a little bit underrated because he's got a arm talent and he's like, you, when you think about what he's had to deal with, I normally don't care about the coaching staff that much but he has had to deal with historic levels of bad with Joe judge, at least calling plays. And then like Jason Garrett as well. I mean, Jason Garrett's fine. He's great. If you just, but he's not, he doesn't fit Daniel Jones. He doesn't fit like giving, letting Daniel Jones throw the ball a little bit more and throw it downfield a little bit more. And we saw his completed air yards per attempt just plummet in 2021 because Jason Garrett's like, we brought in Kenny Galladay, who's a deep specialist. Let's instead decide to let, give Daniel Jones less chances down the field, which made no sense. And it did cut down on his turnovers, but I think there's a balance to be had that is better with Brian Dable than it will be with anybody else who was there last year. So given all that, I mean, do you think Daniel Jones takes a step forward this year? Or, I mean, do you think it's more of the same or are you also like a Jones hater? Like, I, I, I don't know that I'm a hater, right? I'm kind of a, mm-hmm. you are what you've shown me you are. And what I think you are is a QB too, which eh, whatever. I mean, I don't, I, I don't aim for that in super flex leagues. Like I'm aiming for high end wide, excuse me, QB ones. Um, Mm-hmm. what's funny is he has the ingredients for it though right with the rushing yeah. upside he does have the, the the ingredients for it so if he is actually any good um at football he, he should be able to produce this year with brian dable calling the plays um not just because dable helped turn josh allen into you know the qb1 in fantasy the last two years but just he's a better play caller than what he's had yeah um, the offense should be better than anything he's had before. I, I don't particularly like Kenny Galladay, but Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Sterling Shepard, um, uh, Kadarius Tony, mm-hmm. um, Wondell Robinson. I mean, that's not a bad and a healthy Squam Barkley. That's not a bad cast of, of weapons. Now, you know, it's not elite, 
But if you're a pretty good quarterback, you, you should be okay with that. It's just, I, I think his ceiling is QB two, um, though he does have the rushing upside that if you're looking for a quarterback to outproduce their ADP, he is one of those guys that I would look to because of the rushing ability. You always want those quarterbacks with the rushing ability because when all else breaks down, if they can just take off. That's great. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think the, that's fair to say. And I, I agree with you that he's, been more of a QB two and is likely to be around there. I see that though, as a pretty solid floor. And for me, I'm a little more optimistic than you in terms of that Kenny Galladay, who has had proven production, multiple thousand yard seasons. I'm on the side of more on the side of that. He, I mean, he, he underperformed, he sucked last year, but I'm a lot. I feel like a lot of it can be blamed on just he wasn't put in positions to succeed. He wasn't like her. He was just like, horrifically under targeted didn't score a single touchdown i don't think that's entirely on him because he's had multiple thousand yard seasons in the past i think maybe it's me looking through it with rose colored glasses because of the mile like like a miles sanders kind of thing where i was hoping for so long that miles sanders would be good but at the same time kenny galladay had done it and already been really good and miles sanders was a little different in that way but like kenny galladay has had the production so there's a path for me that where daniel jones is maybe a top 15 maybe borderline top 12 guy which i actually like at quarterback 22 where he is on fantasy pros but like it, it, i also see the other side of it which is maybe he's not that guy yeah i mean look at, at qb 22 that that's basically free yeah. um you know in start long redraft leagues i'm guessing he's not even getting drafted yeah. Um, at QB 22, unless there's lunatics in your league that are drafting two and three quarterbacks in those <laughs> one quarterback settings. And, and considering who he's going around, the upside because of the rushing ability, it would definitely make him someone that I'd be more interested in than other guys around his same ADP. Yeah, for, that's definitely true. And he, it's, he's a guy you can pick at his floor. And even if there's a small upside, even if the upside's small, there's no real way that with this cast of characters that Daniel Jones sucks so bad that he's behind the worst of the worst and finishes behind quarterback 22 for me, unless there's an injury, but you know, that's, you can say the same for literally every player. So, yeah. but yeah, next question for the giants, it's about Saquon Barkley and whether, I don't know, can he go back to his old form? Because last year was a tough year for all the giants players and especially Saquon Barkley. Barkley never got going completely. He was actually like, he, he was so disappointing that you forget that he was actually okay. If that, that made no sense at all, but like you, you kind of like, he did have some decent games, but the problem with Barkley is what we kind of all knew, but just conveniently forgot is that you've got a guy coming back from a serious injury and he is a one yard, two yard, 50 yard touchdown running back. He is pretty much a bigger version of that than anybody. And it's easy to forget when you get big plays every single game, like he did in his breakout season and in, in those couple of seasons, like when he was the consensus RB one Saquon Barkley. And it's easy to forget how he still was boomer bust and it would take maybe a quarter and he would have like 0.2 fantasy points and then like go crazy. But like that just that's what really hurt him is coming back from that injury if he even lost a bit of his explosiveness that was kind of it for him in terms of big plays so he just became kind of a low floor guy but can he return to his old form do you do you buy the training camp hype i don't know if i that changes much for me but like what do you think about barkley does he improve from last year overall do you think 
I, I hope he improves off of last year because he got outplayed by Devonta Booker last year, mm-hmm. which is one of the most depressing things I've ever said in my life. Um, he, it's like you said, like he's always been a big play guy. Like that's where he made his money for you mm-hmm. is an, on the big plays. And if he doesn't have that burst and that explosion, he's not going to be able to make those same big plays um, because he's not, he's not one of those guys that's going to grind out you know, 15 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown, you know, it's just, that's not, not his style. It's just not. Um, so you need those big plays for him to produce now, you know, out of training camp, they are talking about using him more out of the passing attack, which is good. Cause you need that. I just, I don't know that he has running back one upside in him anymore. Um, the running back one upside, yeah. can he be a running back one, maybe running back 12, 11, maybe, you know, on volume. Um, and if they do use him in the passing attack, I just I get concerned with guys that have multiple lower body injuries, um, especially at the running back position, like his quads and his thighs still look amazing. Um, but they kind of look like, I don't know, like show muscles, you know, mm-hmm. because they're not really helping him and they, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yeah. But, you know, conversely, like you said, he, he was coming back off a significant injury last year. Um, so we should have expected him to, to not have that same burst and explosion. So it's completely possible that he's going to have it back this year. I yeah. lean though, just because it's been multiple years uh, of injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For Saquon Barkley to truly be an RB one this year, like you, you actually brought up a great point earlier about just the pass catching work that needs to come. And it's going to be, I think a lot more down to Daniel Jones because you can scheme up pass catching work for Saquon Barkley all you want. But at the end of the day, if you've got. Galladay downfield and Dable's like, we want him to take more chances. Jones will throw it there. And then like literally Kadarius Tony and Wandale Robinson, who are both like, it's like two gadget players who can be play near the line and just like, oh, they're also open too. There's no reason to pepper Barkley with targets. He'll get some, but it's not ever going to be like the Eli Manning days. And he maybe didn't, the funny thing is, Back in the Eli Manning days, those targets, like the 100 plus targets, that helped him so much for fantasy. But he needed that less when he got it back then. And he really, really needs that baseline now and just isn't getting it. That's the problem. Like, I mean, if you could bring back those targets, I'm not too concerned if he's not efficient under in between the tackles because he could still just be massive for fantasy football on those like right. valuable, more valuable opportunities. Yep. I completely agree. All right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just the Giants are full of question marks. I feel like yes. more than maybe most teams in this league right now. Yes. Last, um, go ahead. The last one. Uh, yeah. And I was going to say, and then we get back, we get to their wide receiver room, which is just mm-hmm. nothing but questions, right? Yes. Uh, you got Galladay who has looked really bad for a year and a half, um, whether it's due to injuries or whatever. You have uh, Shepard, who I, I love as a slot receiver, but that poor guy can never stay on the field. Like that dude has just had a slew of injuries. And yeah. I, I, I doubt he's in their long-term plans this, with them drafting Kadarius Tony and Wondell Robinson. Yeah. With that Achilles, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's coming back the same. And, and Wondell Robinson and Kadarius Tony are what 
yeah, they're both gadget type players. Kadarius Tony looked absolutely amazing in two games last year. People point out his yards per route run and his fantasy points per opportunity in those two games. But, you know, the rest of the year was kind of injury plagued and not very impressive. Robinson's five foot seven, 170 pounds. The cohort for that is not particularly successful in the NFL, although this is a new NFL. This isn't your dad's NFL anymore Mm -hmm. uh, where the big monsters are, are, are running the field. I, I, if I have to buy in on someone, it's going to be Tony and Robinson because of one, the unknown and two, the upside. And just the fact that, yeah, they are, I don't, I hate calling players gadget players, but they can, they, you can utilize them in multiple ways. Yeah. Um, you can't really do that with Galladay. Like I can't imagine they're going to be, there's going to be many times where Galladay is running a reverse or Galladay is running a jet sweep. Oh yeah. never. Um, <laughs> you know, like if I see that, I'll, I'll question a lot of what Brian Dable's doing, but I'd expect to see Robinson and Tony used in, in the rushing attack. I'd expect to see them used off bubble screens. I'd expect to see them used deep, but then on the very next play on a pass behind the line, you know, mm-hmm. you could see them used all over the place yeah. and they could be a fun interchange just weapons that yeah. that weapon um so if i'm buying in anyone it's going to be those two uh, i've given up on god i i know you haven't but <laughs> I, i've given up on him i've moved on he's hurt me enough i'm on the, the new the new kids mm-hmm. it's fair i'm on him for at least one more season because for me like it, for me he's the guy i'm taking a shot on from this room and you're very right. Like I'm a huge Galladay fan. I don't know if I've like, I might be one of the biggest like fans of him for fantasy out there. Last year I was miserably wrong on him and I probably should learn a lesson, but instead like I still, I, I don't, I love him and he's still not a good route runner. He does what he does great. And he's a contested catch deep ball guy, but Daniel Jones is like it, what, what I feel like and, and what I'm hearing from Dable, which is positive, And I usually like, it's so much coach speak, like 99% of coach speak doesn't matter, but you are, th- th- this to me seems like such a significant change that it has to be considered to where you're going from Joe judge, Mr. QB sneak, Mr. Setting that up. He tried to set it up to punt or whatever it was on second and nine and third and nine ran back to back QB sneaks. And it was the most like, I mean, he was on his way out by then, but even Jason Garrett wouldn't take chances downfield at all last year. Dable has talked about using his guys to his strength, to their strengths. He talked about Kenny Galladay as a guy he watched a lot, did a ton of research on and realized, I mean, of course, that like we, like we all know, his biggest strength is being downfield. And he's said that's the goal is to use their guys more efficiently, use his guys in their strengths. He doesn't think Galladay is some all world receiver who's just going to, of course, find his way to get open and just demand targets. I don't think he's that guy. And that, I mean, maybe that's fair to your point to the fact that he doesn't have as much upside as we maybe thought, but he will get more chances downfield. Absolutely. I have to believe that. And I think that like, because he does that well, he is still, I don't think at 27, he has lost the talent that he had to be one of the top contested catch receivers in the league. And I just like that if he can carve out that role just for himself, I feel like that's a lot more valuable than the Tony Robinson switch off that we might get in terms of both of them being productive at different times. I'm on mute. Yeah, I can't disagree (laughs) with you. (laughs) It's fair though. I, I can see the other side and that's, it's been a dark ride, like supporting Kenny Galladay through all of this, because I mean, last season was horrific to be fair. Kenny Galladay's career has just been a roller coaster, right, man. He's a guy that like, you know, I play in dynasty. So coming before the draft, uh, he was a small school guy that I loved. 
And then his draft capital was so much higher than I expected that I was like, oh, I can't really get him as a sleeper anymore. But, you know, people were still kind of n- not as in on him. Then uh, someone famous gave him the nickname Baby Tron, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, got his name all over the place. And and he was he looked like he was an ascending talent. You know, I was concerned when he left Detroit for New York because it's never great when a wide receiver moves to another team most times. Um, and I didn't like that landing spot in particular. But yeah, man, it's just been downhill for that last year and a half since uh, I guess it was injuries, right? That that's yep. that's been the largest thing. And if you lose your burst, that, that's what I get scared of. If you lose your burst, your acceleration, your explosion, these are important things that you need as a wide receiver. As it, well, obviously, as any type of offensive weapon, except for tight end, you can get away without those things. <laughs> but you, you know, it, it, that that first step on a route is just so important for a wide receiver. Yep, absolutely. And they, it's his value is going to rely heavily on whether this offense really does make a change. Because if it's if Daniel Jones isn't going to give him consistent deep targets, there's nothing for him. And you're right. If he can't explode off the line and can't run routes, there's very little left anyway, even if he's still a good deep ball guy. But yeah, that wraps up the NFC East. That was a lot of fun. And a lot of questions, I think, for all four of these teams who are kind of all middle of the pack to bad. Do you think this NFC, I guess just the last thing I would ask briefly, do you think, I would think the NFC East takes a step up next year overall. I think, um, I mean, there's a lot more optimism here than there was before. I don't think this is the NFC East of 2020, which was the NFC least. What do you think? No, no. I think, I think the Eagles, um, and this isn't an IDP show, thank God, or I want to come on it, but um, <laughs> they, they've really improved their defense. Like just, a lot they have the best offensive one of the best offensive lines in football and the upgrades of adding aj brown to that roster on the offensive side uh i think they might run away with this division if they don't i'd be pretty shocked the other three guys i don't know i don't know there's a lot yeah like you said there's a lot of questions other there's questions the eagles if hurts doesn't continue to improve then obviously they're not going to take a step forward but no it should be a really fun season um hopefully not too many injuries because that that's that's never fun in fantasy or in real nfl but uh no i think it's going to be a really fun season i think there'll be a lot of fantasy production out of this division yeah i think so too it's going to be a lot better than it was at least um that's a low bar but it'll jump up for sure so yeah thank you shane for hopping on um of course i mentioned at the top where you can be found you want to uh tell the listeners where they can find you one more time maybe your i guess your twitter as well all that. Oh, yeah. 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 Just look for me on the Twitters at Chain is the worst. Um, like Cal said, I host a few different podcasts, right? For a few different sites. I've got links to everything that I do in my bio. So just check those out if you like dynasty football and trades and stuff like that. I'm heavily involved in uh, shows that uh, talk about those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, guys, make sure to check that out. Obviously, this show. Uh, actually has has a little more of a redraft focus so yeah i mean that's a great place to go if you need dynasty content because i mean your dlf dynasty trades in five dynasty trades hq i mean it's a, there's a theme here i'm sensing a theme and so yeah i mean that's a great all of those great spots to go awesome websites and shows for sure so uh to the listeners of course make sure to check that out but yeah thank you again shane for hopping on it was a lot of fun hope to have you on at some point um in the future again and yeah it was a great show 
So for the listeners, of course, make sure to check out the NFC North episode. That's also in your feed with Pierre Wilson. Next week, I'll probably have some more guests to try to book those. I'm getting very busy right now with a lot of different things, but I'm still going to try to get as many guests as I can over these next few weeks. And of course, all these new episodes will come out to you guys. So thank you all for listening. A lot of fun on this show and the other one. And I'll see you next time.